The Vikings made a move to bring back a starter this week, which led to much weeping and gnashing of teeth amongst Vikings fans. We'll discuss here on the Eric the Red podcast. Hello and welcome into the Eric the Red podcast here on this Easter weekend. I am your host, Eric Beck. Let's go ahead and jump right into our weekly wrap-up. Weekly wrap-up. So, this week, Vikings vloggers and bloggers and podcasters galore absolutely loved the re-signing of Dakota Dozier. Our starting left guard from last season started all 16 games. Now... On other teams, maybe you would like to have your starting left guard coming back for you, a guy who started all 16 games for you. On this team, not so much. Dakota Dozier, as many Vikings fans know, was... um, I don't want to be mean, but a bit of a train wreck. He was not... not, There were so many games where you would watch the Vikings this season... And you would just see Dakota Dozier end up on his behind immediately after the ball was snapped. And you'd see Kirk Cousins running for his life. So coming into the season, the expectation was anyone would be better than Brian Dozier, which we discussed last week with uh, bringing Mason Cole in from Arizona. The problem now is that we're bringing Dakota Dozier back. Dakota Dozier was a free agent. He was an unrestricted free agent. He was free to be gone. You could have just let him walk away. Instead, the Vikings bring him back, and there's not a ton of understanding about why you would bring someone back who played as poorly as they did last season when they were a free agent. Now, if this is just a move for depth, I feel like there are so many other moves you could have made to have depth at the inside uh, the inside um, offensive line positions. So, I don't know. There's a lot of discussion or questioning about whether you're just bringing Dozier back because he's familiar with your system. But as some people have been saying, there is going to be a temptation now if something happens to put Dakota Dozier back in as your starter just because he knows the system. Especially if you don't bring anyone else in here who could potentially challenge for that job. So, moving forward, I... I did not understand the signing when it happened earlier this week, and so many other people didn't as well. So we're going to have to see here. This is um, continuing the the theme of the Vikings pushing forward with making bigger moves on defense. Bigger in quotes, I guess you could say, because we haven't made huge moves on defense. But their focus has definitely been on defense this offseason. And so far, as, uh, as we continue through this free agency period on our way to the draft... All of the offensive free agent signings that the Vikings have made this offseason have been bringing people back to the team who were on the team last season. You're talking about your Chad Beebe's, your Dakota Dozier's now, your other guys who we've brought back on the offensive side of the ball this season. So it's it continues. It remains to be seen what will happen with the offense trying to, especially on the left side of the offensive line, continue to try to bolster that side of the line or to see what happens with the line in general moving forward this season. With that said, another thing that happened this past week is that Mike Zimmer was made available through uh, media availability to speak to the press earlier this week. He spoke for about 20 minutes to press, answering different questions. On the offensive side of things, he seemed to be fine. He said, I believe the offense was darn good. And I think he referred to the offense being sixth in the NFL, which I don't know which metric he is using to determine 
the offense was sixth. I didn't take the time to try and dive into which which thing he was looking at because if I'm remembering correctly, they were 11th in scoring offense. They may have been fourth in yards gained, but they were 11th in scoring. So if that somehow adds up to sixth in some ranking, fine, I guess. That said, you're not if you're not improving off of last year, you're definitely declining, especially since you cut your starting left tackle from last season. So we may have been uh, we may have been fine, fine, quote unquote, with winning seven games last season with this offense. Moving forward, it's hard to say that we are still fine or darn good, as Zim said. Some other things that Zimmer said, he gave some insights about the focus on defense this offseason, the focus on the defensive moves in free agency. He apparently took very hard the poor play of the defense last season, especially as the season continued and then completed, especially after the 51 points that the Saints put up and the the uh, significant number of rushing yards and rushing touchdowns by Alvin Kamara in that game. So Zimmer coming into this said, I believe that he was dejected down in the dumps using those different types of phrases to describe how he felt after this past season. And I think that in that in large part led to the focus on defense this season. Mike Zimmer is not going to have a defense perform as poorly as it did last season under his watch, especially as we have said before, if he and others believe that there is a little bit of fire under his seat going into this season and things starting to get a little warm, then he's going to go out his way if he does end up going out at the end of this season. So with a little bit of that little bit of that understanding about Zim's focus on defense. There was an article I want to touch on briefly that came out in The Athletic this past week where a writer from The Athletic got opinions from NFL executives across the, the league and had them speak on conditions of anonymity and anonymity, my goodness, had them speak on conditions of anonymity this past offseason or this past week about moves that have been made in free agency by every team in the NFL. There were three different quotes given here for the Vikings in this article. I'm going to touch on them briefly, like I said here, because, well, here, let me just read them and then I'll talk about what I feel. So first quote, Zimmer's first mistake was saying he'd never had a bad defense, an exec said. His second mistake was going for the quick fix in free agency with risky vets instead of coaching those young guys they brought in. They run that complex scheme, and when it doesn't work, it's the execution, so they sign vets. Quote number two, Dalvin Tomlinson is a really good player for what they do, an evaluator said. Signing Patrick Peterson, they are basically saying they struck out last year drafting those young corners. But the big thing is they get Daniil Hunter back from injury, and that changes their pass rush. And then number three, they paid... Excuse me, wow. They paid an old declining corner, and they paid a nose tackle, an exec said. I'm not a fan, but that's what Zimmer wants to do with his defense, and he has had great defenses. Maybe this is what stirs the drink. Oh, there's a fourth quote here. You need to get quality players and not just grab the first offensive linemen that are willing to go to you, an exec said. The fact they didn't sign offensive linemen, I don't think that is an indictment. So for all four of these, which I did not realize there were four, but for all four of these quotes, these are opinions from executives outside of the Vikings about the Vikings' moves so far this season. Now, it is it would be very easy to pull one of these quotes just to 
bolster your arguments, but for me to do that, to bolster my argument about any of the things that I have talked about or any of the opinions I feel about this team. For example, this first quote here where he said the second mistake was going for the quick fix in free agency with risky vets instead of coaching those young guys they brought in. This is tangentially related, I feel, to a point that I made in recent weeks that it looks like the Vikings are really pushing for these shorter-term contracts to try and win now rather than building for the future. So I could pull something like that and have that uh, point to how I feel. The thing is, these are execs that I guess are sort of the same as us, people who aren't with the team, just sort of focusing on what they see from afar and then giving their opinions about how things are. It's it's hard to know, even with them speaking on conditions of anonymity off the record, what how, how truly they feel about these quotes that they're giving, about these opinions they're giving. So... I mean, personally, in my brain, I suppose it's nice that I that someone in the NFL agrees with me about some things. That said, I I need to take this, I guess, with a grain of salt. This the other things here. Someone else mentioned this with the the second quote here. Signing Patrick Peterson, they're basically saying they struck out last year drafting those young corners. I disagree with that, and I think others in. Uh, Vikings or within the media in the Twin Cities have disagreed with that as well because there was this push last year for the Vikings to sign a veteran corner to help mentor the young corners that they're bringing in. Now we're in year two and they're actually bringing in a veteran corner to help mentor the corners that they brought in last year. I don't think this is them punting on the corners that they have. I think this is them finally recognizing a year later that they need to bring someone in to help mentor the corners. And with the person they brought in, or the big name they brought in being Patrick Peterson, this is a person who has performed at a very high level in the NFL. Even if he's not still there, he has performed that highly in the NFL. And so he has the... 10 years almost, I guess, of backlog of performance already of of experience to help lead these younger guys and to help them develop as well. So to say that the Vikings are punting, bringing in some of these guys, I don't think that is accurate either. This fourth quote here, let's... Uh, or here, we'll touch on the third quote briefly. I'm not a fan, but that's what Zimmer wants to do with his defense, and he has had great defenses. We've touched on that as well. Zimmer is doing his thing, and Rick Spielman and everyone else within the Vikings seems to be supporting Zimmer in this move as they try to get better and get back to the playoffs. The fourth quote here that I'm just now reacting to for the first time, you do not need, you do need to get quality players and not just grab the first offensive linemen that are willing to go to you, an exec said. The fact they didn't sign offensive linemen, I don't think that is an indictment. I both agree and disagree with this statement. I agree insofar as you should not be just signing the first offensive linemen who come to you. I think that's a poor choice to just sign anyone. This is this is not the reason that we have had bad offensive lines in the past, but it is certainly something, a trap that you could fall into having had bad offensive lines, is to just go sign somebody in in order to sign somebody. That, I think, is the wrong move. You're looking for the best available option that you can both afford and who is a good player or as quality of a player as you can find. In free agency, that's hard to find. 
And especially looking at this season's free agency, you're looking at there was definitely a top tier of offensive linemen who went to their different respective newly signed teams very quickly within that first uh, that uh, legal tampering period. So, and those are guys who were costing a ton of money. Joe Tooney signed for something like $15 million a year. There was another offensive lineman who signed for a similar amount of money. The Vikings just did not have that kind of money. The problem now is that we're looking at guys who are looking for maybe just above league, uh, the league minimum for veterans, depending on how old they are. That, that number is going to be a little bigger, depending on how much experience they have. So you're looking at guys who maybe have been cut for a reason, who have not been brought back to their team for a reason beyond just not being willing to pay them. Or maybe that is the sole reason. You're not willing to pay someone for the talent level that they are currently showing. You don't, you don't feel that an NFL contract matches with that talent level. The problem for the Vikings here is that we have been clamoring for offensive linemen, quality offensive linemen, to be brought into this team almost since Mike Zimmer was brought in as the head coach. I said somewhere, I don't remember if I said on here or not, I don't understand why there is not as much of a focus on offensive linemen in the Zimmer world, because it seems like the offensive line is like the defense of the offense. I would think, and maybe other people would think, that Zim being the defensive guy would be focused on bolstering a part of the offense, which is like feels like it would be his thing. So I, 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 I continue to not understand this focus or lack of focus on offensive line. And this isn't just a this year thing. This is, as I said, a multiple year issue that the Vikings have had. So moving forward, they're going to be, I guess, trying to address this in the draft. Hopefully they're going to address this in the draft. One of the semi-concerning things that Mike Zimmer said during his press press conference earlier this week is that they feel they are in a position to draft the best player available in the draft rather than trying to focus specifically on a position. Now, we kind of talked about this last week with some of the past Vikings drafts about are you drafting for position or are you drafting for plugging a hole or best available player versus plugging a hole? It's it's concerning when we have what feels like such a massive hole in a position on this team that you would maybe maybe not focus on that as an issue or as a, a draft piece. Now, I understand you're not going to just tell everyone out in the open what your plans are, especially when you have 13 other teams drafting in front of you and you have people behind you who may be looking to draft ahead of you, looking to move up ahead of you and take the person who you would like to take. So so moving forward on this, I guess we are just going to continue to have to monitor. Again, now as we're recording, it's April 3rd. The draft is on April 29th. So it is moving closer, but we are not there yet. So we're going to have to wait and see as we continue to patiently have to do every season what happens with the offensive line, what happens as we move towards the draft for the Vikings this offseason. The final thing we want to touch on here that I want to touch on here with the weekly wrap-up is the NFL's decision to move to a 17-game season, which became official this week. 
The NFL owners were the ones who voted on this. It was a possibility that was brought up with the most recent collective bargaining agreements with the players that they would be acceptable if the owners decided to move to 17 games at some point during this CBA. And this happened earlier rather than later. The CBA was officially brought into effect last offseason. So basically at the first chance they got, the NFL owners decided to introduce 17 games into the mix. This, I think many people are aware, people have decided, is the first move to getting to an 18-game season. I think that is the ultimate destination that NFL ownership wants to go to. Uh, Looking at how long that might take, I'm not sure, based on this current CBA, whether that's a possibility during this CBA, which has like a 10-year run window, something like that. So you may be looking at 10 years from now, them discussing an 18th game, or maybe somehow this discussion gets brought up and they're able to move to an 18th game in the regular season more quickly. It's hard to say right now. I personally think you're not going to be looking at that 18th game for at least 10 years, but that's still relatively close considering that the NFL played with 16 games for well over 40 years, 16 games in the regular season. But with the move to 17 games now, there are going to be some changes with the way the NFL schedule works. This season coming up, they are introducing the uh, the home game to the AFC and the away game to the NFC with this 17th game. So the 17th game, it seems now, is going to always be an interconference game. And each team will be playing someone who finished in the same position they did in a a division from the opposing conference. Now, the way the schedule is currently set up, each team plays both teams in their division, or all three teams in their division twice. So that is six games already. Then each division plays a full division from the NFC and a full division from the AFC. So each team within the same division will play the same division of other teams. So that is another eight games equaling 14 total games. And then the final two games are made up of the finishers from your conference who finished in the same position as in their division as you did in your division. So this coming season, I, uh, I'm i going to pull up the schedule here. The schedule has not officially been released, but we do know who the Vikings' opponents are going to be this offseason. So let me go ahead and pull this up. Vikings' opponents for 2021 so that we can sort of get an idea who the Vikings will be playing this coming season. So the Vikings, as opponents in home games, are playing the Bears, Packers, Lions, Steelers, Browns, Rams, Seahawks, and Cowboys. And as away games, we'll be playing the Bears, Packers, Lions, Bengals, Ravens, 49ers, Cardinals, Panthers, and Chargers now. So just looking at this, we see here that the Vikings are playing the three teams in their division at home and away. So that's two games. Then they're also playing the AFC North, the Steelers, Browns, Bengals, and Ravens. They're playing the NFC West, Rams, Seahawks, 49ers, Cardinals. And then they play the Cowboys, who are from the NFC East. So that is the team that finished third in the NFC East, like, or second in the NFC East. Where did the, no, the Vikings finished third. The Cowboys finished third in the NFC East, and then the Panthers finished third in the NFC South. So those are the... Those are teams from the two divisions the Vikings are not playing in total, and no one from the NFC North is playing in total. 
So the Packers are going to be playing the number one from the NFC South and the NFC East. Bears will be playing number two. Lions will be playing number four. Now with this interconference game being introduced, you're going to be playing a team, everyone in your division will be playing a team from the opposing conference from a division who finished in that same position. So the Los Angeles Chargers finished third in the AFC West, so the Vikings will be playing the Los Angeles Chargers. So insofar as you're introducing another inter 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 interconference my goodness another introducing another interconference game i like that move in particular first of all because it's necessary with the way the nfl structures their schedules but it also allows you to see other teams teams that you wouldn't see except for every every couple of years in order to play these teams bring them to your stadium you go to their stadium things like that so the Vikings now will, with this move, going to Los Angeles, they're going to be playing in the new SoFi Stadium for the first time this coming season, which they wouldn't have done. They are playing the Los Angeles Rams, but the Rams are coming to Minnesota, so they wouldn't have gone to SoFi except now with, uh, with this move to have 17 games. Another discussion about this move to 17 games is about the change in standings. So instead of having a 16-game season where you're pretty easily able to determine or able to sort of project what, where a person or where a team will finish, where like a 500 team is going to be 8-8, eight and eight, and then you have 9-7, and 10-6, and six, et cetera, et cetera, to try and determine what a team's record will be. Now you're having to figure that out with math for 17 games. So you're having teams that are going to be 8-9, and 9-8, and 10-7, et cetera, et cetera, up and down the standings. So it will be interesting. I feel like there is less of a chance for... This may or may not be true. I guess this is just my perception. There's going to be less of a chance for teams to tie in terms of their standings. You're going to have... Uh, it's, it would seem that there will be an easier time with an odd number of games for teams to not necessarily finish with the same record. We'll see if that's actually true or not. That may just be that may be a false perception moving into this. But on the on the move to actually have 17 games even in and of itself to add an extra game of play to the NFL schedule, I don't feel like the game was actually necessary to be added. It feels like 16 games was a great number of games for the NFL. It worked out really well, like I like we've just discussed with figuring out what records are going to be. And it doesn't seem like there was a lot of clamor for more NFL football during the regular season. Now, part of the reason, or maybe the majority the majority of the reason why this is happening is because adding that 17th game, you're going to be bringing more revenue in. This is already a part of the TV deals that were just signed a couple weeks ago. So you're already bringing in revenue from TV. You're going to be bringing in revenue, having full stadiums, probably moving forward in the future. So this is definitely a money push. The other piece of this is that with the move to 17 regular season games, the NFL is moving down from four to three preseason games. So there will be the same number of games as it were, except now one of them is moving from preseason non-competitive to regular season competitive. Another piece of this is that you're going to be pushing the NFL season forward another week. So the new start to this league season is going to be at the same time that it normally was. They're not going to be pushing this 
into August to have a start or earlier in September to have a start. They'll be starting at the same time they always have, and they'll be pushing later in the season. So you're going to be seeing regular season games happening in that first and second week of January or first and second weekend of January. And as this moves along, the Super Bowl will also be pushed a week later. So I think at the moment, you're going to be seeing Super Bowls happening on President's Day weekend, something like every four years or along those lines. But it's going to be pushing football later into February than it already was. I I guess we're just going to have to wait and see on this to determine whether this is going to be a good thing, a bad thing, an indifferent thing for the NFL moving forward about having NFL going or the NFL season going longer, both regular and postseason, and what this is going to mean for the game. This is definitely going to have an effect on records that are set in the NFL. So we'll have to see if there are discussions about uh, asterisks, which we saw early in Major League Baseball when they switched to a 162-game season. If you'll remember with the uh, the home run record with Roger Maris hitting 61 home runs, that had an asterisk next to it for a long time in the records because it was not done as quickly as Babe Ruth had done his 60. So we'll just have to wait and see about that. That may have that may be a thing that happens early in this new 17-game era, but moving forward, eventually, I think you're just going to see the records be the records. And there will be, I'm sure, mentioned that records happened in 17-game seasons versus 16-game seasons, and then eventually in 18-game seasons versus 17-game seasons, etc., etc. Ultimately, that piece of it I don't think is a big deal. The biggest deal is that you have guys now playing 17 games instead of 16 games every season, and you're going to be seeing new standings, new records in terms of one lost record, and things of that nature. And of course, as we discussed, the big thing for that for the Vikings is that they're now going to Los Angeles and playing the Chargers in a new interconference game. So now with the entire NFC going to the AFC for an away game for the NFC and a home game for the AFC, next season you'll see that flip. The AFC will be on the road. The NFC will be at home. And that will alternate. And that's just the it's the only way to have a quote unquote fair, uh, fair shake, I guess, for every team within a conference. So you don't have teams within a conference playing more games at home than on the road and vice versa. Or you don't have divisions where you have teams playing more at home than on the road versus other teams, since there is that home field advantage that is a thing. And is especially missed having come out of a season where you had a bunch of stadiums where there weren't fans. So that is, I believe, everything that I have to discuss about the week in review. Let's, uh, or within our weekly wrap up, let's go ahead and use the segment title correctly. So we'll go ahead and take a break here. And coming back on the other side of the break, we're going to continue our discussion about the NFL draft. Looking back at past drafts for the Vikings this week, we will be taking a look at the 2014 and 2015 NFL drafts, the first drafts with Mike Zimmer as the head coach. So if you're interested in that, go ahead and stick around until after the break here on the Eric the Red podcast. Hey everyone, this is the point in most podcasts where you would maybe expect to hear an ad read, a Patreon plug, or something of that nature. While that may be something that ends up being integrated into this podcast in the future, I'm more concerned at the moment with getting this podcast up and running. So, no ads, no Patreon, but if you do want to find out more about this podcast or any other project I'm involved in, head over to ericbeckmedia.com. That's ericbeckmedia, all one word, dot com. Now back to the show. 
All right, welcome back in from the break here on the Eric the Red podcast. Now, as we've been doing, as I discussed before the break over the last couple weeks, we've been looking at past Vikings drafts. Been going through ever since 2011, we've been looking at these drafts. We've been looking at the drafts that have happened since 2011. So far, we've gotten through the 2011, 12, and 13 seasons. And with the goal of getting through all of these before the coming NFL draft of this season, we're going to be pushing forward with two drafts a week uh, for the next couple of weeks and looking at what the Vikings have done, try and uh, discern sort of their draft philosophy and see what they might end up doing, as well as seeing how well they have done in the past. Now, reflecting on the draft history discussion that we've had, that we've been having over the last few weeks, and on some of the Vikings' philosophy discussions from the past few weeks, I am wondering, as I have said already, how much of the Vikings' focus is on the here and now, and how much is on the future. And not just this season. How, how has that... How has that philosophy, how has that philosophical stance been approached over the last seven seasons with Mike Zimmer as the Vikings head coach? Because if we remember from last week when we were looking at the 2012 and 2013 drafts, a lot or possibly the majority of those players were really just sort of semi-short-term helps, like within a five-year window. Now, that five-year window is fine if you are continuing to replenish your team through the draft in terms of drafting people who you are able to develop to help your team in the future. If you're able to continue that on a rolling five-year window, that's not a huge problem. But if you're not able to do that, like maybe some of the players or many of the players we've seen, that is more of an issue. So with that sort of understanding in mind, with that sort of focus in mind, we're going to use that as our lens as we go through these Mike Zimmer drafts each season to see sort of where the Vikings may be headed and where they have been. So we'll go ahead here now. It's always a it's always an interesting thing to see whether the screen recording is going to work or not, but we are now recording the screen. So if you're watching on YouTube, you're going to go ahead and see me here on the 2014 NFL Draft Wikipedia page. And if you're listening on podcast form, I will do my best to continue to narrate what is happening on the screen. So going into the 2014 season with the Vikings' first pick under Mike Zimmer as the head coach, the Vikings actually traded back from the 8th spot to the ninth spot, once again allowing the Cleveland Browns to jump the Vikings and move up one more spot. When have we seen that happen before? I don't actually remember this trade. I vaguely remember it happening, but I don't remember it in as it was happening at the time, which I'm pretty sure I was watching this draft, so... I just have no memory of it. In any case, the Vikings, with their first pick, ninth overall, take Anthony Barr, which is a name Vikings fans know. Some of them love. I definitely loved Anthony Barr at the time when he was a rookie and when he was a younger player. It's definitely an upgrade at the offense or at the, uh, at the linebacking position. Let's actually, as I say that, let's take a look quickly at the 2013 roster and see what are, what are some of these holes that maybe the Vikings were looking to fill because linebacker was definitely one of them. We see here on the screen with the 2013 team, your main starters at linebacker were Chad Greenway, works for me, Aaron Henderson, okay, and some guy named Marvin Mitchell, who I have no memory of, no memory whatsoever of Marvin Mitchell. So the Vikings were looking for the f- looking for help on the linebacking core. The Vikings, we can also see here, were probably looking for help in the defensive backfield. And then I don't know if it's it's probably not this season, 
but we're starting to see this is this column here is a game started column and we see that on the offensive line a lot of these guys started either 15 or 16 games so i don't think we're starting to see issues there yet but we maybe will uh pretty soon other things you're looking at here christian ponder as your starting quarterback for only nine games that season so you're you have some concern i think about christian ponder at this point with him having been in the league for a couple years and then with your wide receiver core, it looks here like your best wide receiver is Greg Jennings, who went for 804 yards and four touchdowns in 2013, which is fine, but is not maybe what you're looking for out of your top starting wide receiver. So these are some of the things we can maybe think about as we're focusing on who did the Vikings take in this draft. And first they take Anthony Barr looking to shore up that linebacking core. Then we see the Vikings here at the end of the first round. This part I do remember vividly. The Vikings traded back into the first round to take Teddy Bridgewater with the 32nd overall pick. Now, I understand from a philosophical standpoint the reason you would trade back into the first round to get a quarterback. And it's because with the way that rookie contracts work now, every first rounder has a fifth year team option. So you are able, with your first-round pick, to keep a guy under contract for a season longer at a lower annual salary than if you had to give him a new contract. So this is the reason you would move up to take a Teddy Bridgewater in the first round. That said, I was not thrilled at the possibility of bringing Teddy Bridgewater in because I did not feel like he had a good senior season or final season at Louisville. And I was... I was... I was happy with the possibility that it seemed like the Vikings weren't going to be taking him. And then as soon as they made the pick, I knew the Vikings were going to be taking Teddy Bridgewater. And I was a little distraught, to say the least. Now, at the time, I think Teddy Bridgewater worked out fine. He was developing fairly well, I guess, as um, as his younger seasons were moving forward. And then, of course, as Vikings fans know, he had a, a terrible off-season injury, non-contact injury on his knee, and ultimately he was never a starter again for the Vikings and was a starter last season for the Panthers, but it seems like the Panthers now have also fallen out of love with Teddy Bridgewater. So those are two first-round picks for the Vikings. And then as we scroll down here, we're going to keep this uh, the Minnesota highlighted here with the search function. You're going to see some more names here coming off the board that we recognize with uh, with these uh, the highlighted pieces here with the different coloring. These are pro bowlers. These are guys who made the pro bowl at one point in their careers. Now with the trade the Vikings made to get back in the first round, they don't have a second round pick here in the 2014 draft, but they do have a third round pick, which they did not trade. This was theirs the entire time. And they draft a guy by the name of, I believe it is pronounced Scott Crichton. C-R-I-C-H-T-O-N. It's either Crichton or Crichton, but I'm pretty sure it's Crichton. This is a thing. I have I have had problems with people in the past when they when they mispronounce people's names on on live stream or on streaming something like this or on capturing video like this. But here I am doing it myself. So I guess it takes one to know one. Scott Crichton, I think it's fair to say, did not pan out with the Vikings. It's uh, a, an unfortunate thing for someone who you took in the third round to not work out really at all for your team. This is something that I would, or this is a position with how well Crichton did in the NFL that I would consider to be a draft bust in the third round there. 
And then scrolling further down in the third round, the Vikings have a second pick. They take Jarek McKinnon, a running back out of Georgia Southern. McKinnon played for a while with the Vikings. He sort of was a pseudo-starter when Adrian Peterson got into some legal trouble, got put on the commissioner's exempt list. I never trusted Jarek McKinnon as a starter. I know he got a bunch of big money from the 49ers to be a starter and then got hurt. I think he's still with the 49ers, but definitely is not their starter now. But I I never was in love with Jarek McKinnon. Uh, some other Vikings fans were, I do know. This is now looking at the thing I do to determine, is there someone else you maybe would have liked to see at the position that you drafted? We see here, what is a 7, 8, 9 pick, something like that, after Jarek McKinnon goes. The Falcons take Devontae Freeman with their uh, early fourth round pick. I would rather have had Devontae Freeman than Jarek McKinnon. And as we see here, Devontae Freeman was a pro bowler at one point in his career. So for as long as you had McKinnon, and as long as you maybe would have had Freeman, I think Freeman maybe would have been a better option at the time to draft as your uh, backup running back at the time. So continuing to scroll down the list here, the Vikings don't have a pick again until the fifth round. And they take an offensive guard by the name of David Yankee, Y-A-N-K-E-Y. I don't remember this name at all either. So I think it's fair to say that the Vikings did not get a ton of production out of him. Continuing to scroll down into the sixth round, the Vikings take Antone Exum and Kendall James, who are both cornerbacks in the sixth round, three picks apart. And then into the seventh round, the Vikings have three more picks in the seventh round. They take Shamar Steffen. Excuse me, Shamar Stefan, a name the Vikings fans know and who was just recently cut by the Vikings. Brandon Watts, they take a couple picks later, who is a linebacker. And then two picks after that, the Vikings take Jabari Price, who was another cornerback, going along with the thing of Mike Zimmer loving his corners. Now, looking back at this entire draft, it feels like this is weaker than other drafts we have looked at so far just in terms of guys who you would take or who you would want to take who performed at maybe a higher level than you would have expected or at a high enough level where you would have kept them around for a significant amount of time and they would have been productive whether they were pro bowlers or not because if we scroll back through this list as i was going through this list earlier there weren't a ton of names where i was like this is a guy i wish that we had taken in any in any position, in any sort of, uh, had we traded up, traded down, taken whoever. We see here, as we're scrolling back through, Dakota Dozier was a fourth-round guard drafted there. Now he's back with the Vikings. So I think this was a relatively weak draft overall for the Vikings, but I think it was a relatively weak draft overall for everybody. It doesn't seem like there was a ton of talent to come off the board in this 2014 draft. Uh, with where we stand now, with where with where players have developed to, at the linebacking position, you wished Khalil Mack had fallen to you, but he didn't, so Anthony Barr was the next guy off. Anthony Barr may be the second best linebacker from this draft. It's hard to say. You're looking at C.J. Mosley, who was drafted there in 17th as maybe another guy. Ryan Shazier was good until he was uh, injured, so maybe another guy there who you would have considered taking at linebacker. If there's a person I would have rather have taken overall at the time, I think you're probably looking at Aaron Donald, who was drafted 13th overall when the Vikings took 9th. 
Aaron Donald has been a defensive player of the year. He has been a stud at defensive tackle for the formerly St. Louis Rams, now Los Angeles Rams. And I think you probably say you could have found a way for there to be a need at defensive tackle. And with Kevin Williams getting older and Latroy Guyon being your other option at defensive tackle, I think I think that Aaron Donald would have been a great pick at that position there in ninth. As it was, that was not who was taken. So the Vikings have what they have and have lived with it. And apparently they've loved Anthony Barr this entire time he's been here. So not too much of a loss, I guess, from the Vikings standpoint, or at least for the team. I do want to scroll down here quickly to notable undrafted players from the 2014 draft because there are two guys who I think you wish you'd been able to find had you had the opportunity. One of them we see here, the Denver Broncos picked up Shaquille Barrett as a free agent out of Colorado State. Now, Shaq Barrett was not the player he is now at the time. He There was a story that came out earlier this season. I don't remember if it was ESPN or The Athletic, but there was a story that came out during, I should say, the, this past regular season about a an edge-rushing clinic, basically, that Von Miller puts on every year or was putting on every year that Shaq Barrett attended mostly because he was Von Miller's teammate, not because he was an elite edge rusher at the time. And Shaq Barrett is a guy who continued to develop as a player as he aged, as he got more experience in the NFL. So with the Broncos at the time, wasn't as great as he is now playing with the Buccaneers and having just gotten another contract from the Buccaneers after helping them win the Super Bowl this past offseason or this past postseason. So you maybe wouldn't have held on to Shaquille Barrett as long as maybe the Broncos did or longer than the Broncos did if he was the player he was at the time. But with who he is now, it, you certainly are wondering what the possibilities might have been. It's also worth saying here before we move on that Shaq Barrett is a 3-4 stand-up linebacker as an edge rusher, which is not the system the Vikings use. So it's a question that's also been used with Anthony Barr. Could he be more of a pass-rushing linebacker if he were in a different system? which he almost got to find out when he almost went to New York, but has not been seen thus far. The other position here, the other player we're seeing here, who you maybe wish you had found is Malcolm Butler, who was an undrafted cornerback for the New England Patriots that season. With the number of corners that you drafted in this draft, let's go back here. You drafted... Well, you drafted two for sure back-to-back there with Kendall James and Antone Exum. And with some of the needs that you had uh, at the position, you're wishing that you had found Malcolm Butler at the time. Because he certainly became a better corner than either Antone Exum or Kendall James, who I don't remember the name Kendall James. I do remember Antone Exum, but he became a better player at his position. So we'll take a look here. The overall draft results or the overall results for the Vikings First rounders, you have Anthony Barr and Teddy Bridgewater. Third rounders, Scott Crichton and Jarek McKinnon. Fifth round, David Yankee. Sixth rounders, Anton Exum and Kendall James. And then seventh rounders, Shamar Stephan, Brandon Watts, and Jabari Price. So those are your 2014 draft prospects, draft drafted players for the Vikings. The one person I'm going to touch on here before we move into the next season is Shamar Stephan. Shamar Stefan, I think, has worked well 
as a player for where he was drafted. As a seventh round guy, for him to continue to be in the NFL or have been in the NFL for as long as he has been thus far, we'll see if he signs somewhere else. But for him to be the player he's been so far, I think that is... That is your hope for a seventh-round guy. I mean, obviously, the ultimate ceiling-shattering move would be for a seventh-round guy to become a Hall of Famer. But for a seventh-rounder like Shamar Stefan to last as long as he did, that is probably your reasonable best-case scenario for a seventh-round pick. The problem has been now trying to have Shamar Stefan be your starter, which is not a thing that was working out. But in terms of a depth guy, in terms of a guy who you're able to have around for a while, I think that's that's your best reasonable hope for what you can have out of a seventh-round pick. So Mike Zimmer's first season in Minnesota, 2014. We see here that he had a 7-9 and nine first season, which sounds uh, oddly familiar with what the season we just had. But if we take a look here at the 2014 season, as you're preparing for the 2015 NFL Draft, take a look back here at who the Vikings had on their roster and some positions they may have been looking to fill. Now, as we see here, defensive tackles Sharif Floyd and Linval Joseph in 2014. So you have Sharif move from a backup role, I guess, to a starting role here in his second season in the NFL. And then you have Linval, who you brought in as a free agent to be your other defensive tackle. This is probably why you didn't take Aaron Donald as a draft pick, because you had these two guys who were ready to go as your starters as you headed into the draft. That said, with, with what we know from Sharif Floyd's career, you're still wishing you had taken Aaron Donald. We look at this linebacking core, Chad Greenway, Jasper Brinkley, Anthony Barr. Two of those three, still, they're working for you. Jasper Brinkley, you're maybe looking for someone else. And you know that Greenway is getting older, so you're maybe looking down the road to replace him. We look in the defensive backfield here. Xavier Rhodes and Captain Munnerlin. You've got two guys here who... Munnerlin was a free agent who was brought in, and Rhodes was a rookie who was now starting in his second season. And then in the, uh, the safety positions, you have Harrison Smith and Robert Blanton. So your defense has gotten better at least nominally, and you're looking now for maybe trying to bolster some of those positions. On the offensive side, you're now seeing some of these issues that I was talking about with players not being able to start all 16 games. We see here Matt Khalil, who started all 16 games but was not good at left tackle. You see Charlie Johnson at left guard, who had 14 games started. Joe Berger is in there, but was Brandon Fusco the season before. Berger starts nine games that season. Lodeholt starts 11 at right tackle. So you're maybe starting to look at, can we find an offensive lineman or two who we can help plug in and provide some stability for this team? Moving up here to tight end, we see a down year for Kyle Rudolph, only playing eight games or only starting eight games and having 231 receiving yards on two touchdowns. And then Rhett Ellison, here's another former Vikings tight end, whose name you'll remember being in there as well. Wide receiver, you have Cordell Patterson and Greg Jennings. Jennings having a a less productive year than the season before, so now you're maybe looking for a wide receiver maybe with a little more vigor than you had in the past. And then you have Teddy Bridgewater, who is in there as in that 2014 season, getting 12 starts at rookie. So you have a guy who is beginning to develop at the quarterback position. The other thing here is the running back. This looks like the season where... 
Adrian Peterson was out for a significant period of time with his uh, commissioner's exemplist issues, his legal issues with the things that happened during that uh, during that season. So you're maybe wondering, is it time to start looking for a running back even after you've had such a good career thus far with Adrian Peterson? So let's get into this with the 2015 draft. You're looking at the Minnesota Vikings with the 11th overall pick taking Trey Waynes. Trey Waynes as their first pick, 11th off the board. You are looking at this list. Let's go ahead and do this right away. We see two corners taken immediately, or not immediately, but soon after Trey Waynes. Kevin Johnson, which is a name I do not know, and then Marcus Peters, seven picks after Trey Waynes. Looking at this, you're probably wishing you had Marcus Peters instead of Trey Waynes. You think even if Marcus Peters ended up leaving and going somewhere else after his rookie contract, I think he would have been a better position, positional fit or a better player than Trey Waynes was. Trey Waynes, it's fair to say, was solid. He was a solid corner for the Vikings for the time he was here. But Marcus Peters, I think, was a better, a better corner. So we start there and we scroll down, scroll down, scroll down to the Vikings' second overall pick, the 45th pick in the draft, Eric Kendricks. This is you filling that uh, middle linebacker position with a guy who has been a complete future Vikings ring of honor at the very least player for the Vikings. I think, I don't know if you can say all Vikings fans love Eric Kendricks, but a whole heck of a lot of Vikings fans love Eric Kendricks, and you can count me in with that group. Eric Kendricks, I think it's going to be fair to say, is your best pick from this draft as we continue to scroll down and see the other players you took. And I think Kendricks was definitely better than Trey Waynes, so Kendricks tops your first-round pick. Continue scrolling down, scrolling down into the third round. Now I may have to go back on myself when we see Daniil Hunter was taken in the third round. (laughs) Is Daniil Hunter better than Eric Kendricks? With talent level, with production level, yes. With durability, some questions, but Kendricks was hurt this season as well, at least for a, a shorter period of time than Hunter, but still for a period of time. So maybe I have to eat my words on Eric Kendricks and say that Daniil Hunter was the best player taken by the Vikings in this draft. Either way, you have two great defensive players. It is unequivocally you can call them both great defensive players that you found in your draft. This, I think, with Daniil Hunter is your maybe maybe just a step above reasonable expectation for what you can expect out of your third rounder. Daniil Hunter has a very real chance to be an NFL Hall of Famer if he is able to continue his production level moving forward with what it was before his neck injury. Daniil Hunter could be a Hall of Famer in the NFL. He already broke the record for the quickest player to 50 sacks, or the youngest player, I should say, to 50 sacks. And he, it seems like he has the entire world ahead of him in terms of what he has the possibility to do moving forward. It will depend, I think, with what the Vikings are able to do with his contract, how long he continues to stay with the Vikings. Look at this guy taking one pick after Daniil Hunter. Sean Mannion, former, currently former Vikings backup quarterback. We'll have to see if the Vikings want to re-sign him or potentially take a quarterback in this draft. 
uh, or just rely on the backups they have right now. Moving right along, we see here the Vikings, fourth-round pick. They take TJ Clemmings, who is an offensive tackle. I, I don't remember this name either. It's fair to say that I remember Vikings tight ends a whole lot easier than I remember Vikings former offensive linemen, maybe because we seem to cycle through so many freaking offensive linemen. With this pick, as we look further down the list, you see Zadarius Smith. It's about 12 picks later. Probably wishing at this point you had taken Zadarius Smith rather than TJ Clemmings, especially since Zadarius Smith is wreaking a whole bunch of havoc for you over there in Green Bay right now. Another name here, Quan Alexander's the linebacker. You maybe wish you had him rather than TJ Clemmings. And also, we're going to talk about this fifth-round pick. The Vikings make a couple of fifth-round picks here. And if you're seeing on screen, I've already spoiled the list for you. Vikings take Michael Pruitt, who is a tight end, with the 143rd pick, and then take Stefan Diggs with the 146th pick. The way that the Vikings got this 146th pick is they traded the 137th pick, which was the first pick in the fifth round. This has some meaning for me because at the time, with there being questions about Adrian Peterson, I was in love with David Cobb coming out of the University of Minnesota at running back. And he was on the board for you with the first pick in the fifth round. He was there. It's, and there, it seemed like there was interest from the Vikings. There were rumblings and rumors that the Vikings liked David Cobb coming out of Minnesota. But they traded out of the pick. Vikings trade out of the pick. Not only do you trade out of the pick and not take David Cobb, the Atlanta Falcons take Grady Jarrett with that pick. So that's maybe a pick that would it have been better for the Vikings not to trade. You still would have had Stefan Diggs available, and you could have taken him instead of Michael Pruitt, Another tight end from the Vikings whose name you remember from the past. But you could have taken Diggs instead of Pruitt. You could have taken Grady Jarrett and upset me, but had a better player than Michael Pruitt there as another defensive tackle. The issue is you already feel secure at the defensive tackle position. So maybe even though he was the best player still on the board, you're trading out of that pick and looking for more picks and other positions that you're looking to fill rather than taking the best person available at any position. So, mini rant there is complete as we scroll our way down to the sixth round, and we find some names of guys who I don't remember. Tyrus Thompson was a tackle, B.J. DeBose, who was a defensive end, and we see here a couple of other former pro bowlers who we maybe could have taken in the sixth round with Quandre Diggs as a corner and Darren Waller as a wide receiver. Scrolling down to the seventh round, here are a couple other guys whose names I don't remember. Austin Shepard, an offensive tackle, and Edmund Robinson, a linebacker. So at the top of this draft, let's go ahead and click on the 2015 draft results for the Vikings. At the top of this draft, even kind of halfway through this draft, this was a great draft for the Vikings. Trey Wayne's first for the Vikings, first rounder. Eric Kendricks in the second round. Third rounder, Daniil Hunter. Fourth round, TJ Clemmings. Fifth round, Michael Pruitt and Stefan Diggs. Sixth round, Tyrus Thompson and BJ DuBose. And seventh round, Austin Shepard and Edmund Robinson. This in the two drafts that we have looked at from the Mike Zimmer era, this is the best draft that we've seen so far. We see here three picks. The first three picks are on defense, Zimmer's wheelhouse, and they were 
productive to great level players for your team. You looking back or maybe wishing you had taken Marcus Peters with that first round pick, and then this would be even to another level in terms of the draft production you had. You also have Stefan Diggs there who worked out to be your number one wide receiver for a period of time and who there are reasons that that Stefan Diggs left the Vikings and we did get Justin Jefferson with the pick that we traded or that we traded for with Diggs but you definitely kind of are wishing that Diggs was still here especially with how he's just sort of exploded in production in Buffalo this year. That said, this is a great draft for the Vikings. I don't know if we would characterize it as the best that we've seen thus far. Let's take a quick look back here at the draft results for the Vikings from previous seasons. Would I say that the 2015 season is the best draft the Vikings have had that we have looked at? If you would, please, pro football reference, scroll on back here. 2013, you're looking at... This is where we talked about just your first rounders were your best picks with Sharif Floyd, Xavier Rose, and Cordero Patterson. Okay, not great draft. Maybe better than the uh, 2014 draft, but not better than the 2015 draft. If you would please behave, profootballreference.com, so I can continue scrolling through these drafts. As we go back to 12, 2012, Khalil, Harrison Smith, Josh Robinson, this is one where you also only have the the one guy that you drafted as your best player. And then we go back to the 2011 season, and we will see that the Vikings took Ponder, Rudolph, Ballot. Yeah. So I think it's fair to say with the drafts that we've looked at, in my opinion, the 2015 draft is the best draft the Vikings had in this past decade so far. So of the ones we've looked at, 2015 is the best out of the five we've looked at. So moving forward... This is our this is our apex. This is this is what we compare to moving forward is this draft 2015. This is when people say that Spielman, Rick Spielman is a good drafter. This is the evidence where it is possible for Rick Spielman to be a great drafter. Moving forward, we will continue to look and see whether that is continues to be the case in the subsequent years. A couple things you're seeing here other than this, we're starting to miss on offensive linemen. We see taking this tackle here in the fourth round, TJ Clemmings. This is not a guy you were able to develop. Two other tackles in this draft, you were not able to develop those guys. That said, you do continue to see the Vikings drafting for position of need rather than just for who is the best player on the board. They can continue to say that they're taking the best player on the board, but they are they are also drafting for need. There is a little bit of a mix, but at the top of the list, you're drafting for need. So, with those things in mind, we will continue as time moves on to look at the the subsequent drafts. This coming this coming week, next week, we'll be looking at 2016 and 2017. We'll be looking to see what the Vikings are doing as they start to go into this oscillating year in the playoffs, year not in the playoffs, to see how they're trying to continue to grow and develop their team, which is a sticking point for me. How are they continuing to try to grow and develop their team? And are they just looking for the immediate fix or are they looking for the future? I think with this 2015 draft, they were definitely successful in drafting for the future. 
So with that said, we're going to go ahead and call it a wrap for this episode of the podcast. It is, uh, it is roughly the same, I guess, length as what we've been doing in the past. I've been, as to close out this episode, we'll talk about how long these podcasts are going to be. I think we're probably looking at roughly this amount of time, at least during the off season, as we're continu- continuing to fill with some news and notes of what happens, and then looking back at these drafts. We'll see after the the draft this season what ends up happening with what we discuss. But for the next couple of weeks, we'll have some stability with uh, looking at what we're doing, hoping for some more news with hopefully some surprise free agent signings maybe some news about what the vikings might be doing in the coming draft and as always just sort of hoping and praying that the vikings can somehow figure out a way to make their team better not just for now but for the future so with that said i'll go ahead and sign off my name is eric beck this is the eric the red podcast thank you for watching on youtube and thank you for listening on your podcast players